Westchester Talk Radio is broadcasting live. News, trends, and more. No one knows Westchester County better than we do. We are Westchester Talk Radio. Good day. Welcome to Duchess Talk Radio. I'm John Marino, and we are produced by Shark Creatives, made possible by Robeson Oil, a house that's service built by Compton's Mayopac Bank. By Lipolis Electric. Don't be left in the dark. Get Lipolis by Hightower Westchester. Managing your wealth to a fiduciary standard all through the Hudson Valley. Also by White Plains Hospital and by Michael Labriola, Landscape Design and Construction of our month. They work for you all throughout the Hudson Valley and beyond as well. Here on the Cup of Joe political show, we are joined by Dutchess County Legislator Ed Hauser. Ed Hauser represents the 23rd District, encompassing Pauling, Beekman, and East Fishkill, a pretty wide-ranging swath of the southern part of the county, basically all the way across from the Hudson River to the Connecticut line. Ed Hauser, welcome to Dutchess Talk Radio as we move now into the final quarter of 2021, set our sights on a new year, 2022. How prevalent is COVID in Dutchess right now? And have the numbers gone up since Labor Day? Because the big concern was with the Labor Day weekend gatherings two, three, four weeks down the road, we'd see a spike again. Where does that stand countywide from the latest you have? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, the latest I have is that the numbers have stabilized. There was a short spike. And uh, Dutchess County right now is at 76.6% vaccinated. Is that good enough? There. That's, that well, it's not good enough, but it's certainly a lot better than many other areas of the country. And, uh, you know, people here feel reasonably safe. I believe there, uh, there are about 23 active cases right now, I believe. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not good, but it's, it's certainly not a surge like other places have experienced. Mm-hmm. Vaccine-wise around the county, you talk about the numbers where people are. Can we expect that many more people of those who have not yet been vaccinated will eventually get a shot? Or do you subscribe to the philosophy like a lot of people I know subscribe to? And I'm not saying this is right, wrong, et cetera. It's what a lot of people I know think that if you wanted to get vaccinated, well, you would have done so by now. You could just go walk into CVS or Walgreens, et cetera, go see your doctor and get it done. If you don't want to get vaccinated and you haven't done it as of yet, you likely never will. Well, I hope people are listening and learning. Um, I'm a, a, a student of history, and I recently uh, just read an article in the Smithsonian about the fight against diphtheria. And the parallels are remarkable. Uh, you know, it's just a devastating disease, except it was uh, affecting primarily children. And uh, it took a while, first of all, to develop the vaccine because they didn't have the tools that we have today. I mean, the the big difference is the uh, supercomputers and the, the, all of the labs able to talk to each other. And, uh, you know, I hope that uh, people will listen to their neighbors and most importantly, if they listen to their healthcare providers, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that people will, will continue to get vaccinated as they become more comfortable with it, as they learn more about it. And, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of people I know who are vaccinated are uh, had minor discomfort when they got the shot, but after that, there's a great sense of relief that 
that there's some protection. I've had people say to me too, you know, John, you allowed yourselves to be experimented upon because it takes years and decades to develop a really effective vaccination that we know works. I have a feeling that you would have something contrary to say to that. <laughs> well, you know, what people don't understand is that this, uh, the development of this vaccine didn't happen in a year. Uh, they've been working on this for probably this process for, for probably over 25 years. You know, it started with SARS and Zika and Ebola and all these uh, similar diseases. And the, the criteria, the protocols, the chemistry for developing the vaccine was well along in the developmental stage. Uh, it only had to be fine-tuned to work with the coronavirus. And, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have a daughter-in-law who is a... Uh, infectious disease control nurse and I have a I have a niece who is a uh, I can't even say it it's a she's a, a virus expert. she's a doctor she's a PhD and she studies viruses and, uh -huh. and you know I listen to them because they know the science and uh, they're very comfortable with the vaccine mm -hmm. is something you just brought up makes me wonder maybe we're not getting this information or publicizing this fact enough you talked about how this vaccine has been in development for a quarter of a century, yet we never hear that. Maybe if we got that message out more, that would allay many fears. Yeah, I think that the, the news cycle tends to uh, concentrate on what's happening today, uh, but uh, it, it takes a little more uh, time to have a historic knowledge of things and you know, you have to read. You can't just get your information off Facebook. Uh, most of what I've learned about uh, the vaccine and, and the research that went into it, I got from reading the Smithsonian and the Atlantic and the New Yorker and magazines like that, which takes some time. I mean, you have to sit down and, and read an article. It'll, it'll take you an hour. So. Mm -hmm. Ed Hauser, County Board here in Dutchess on Dutchess Talk Radio. He represents the 23rd District, Pauling, Beekman, and the East Fishkill area at Hauser. You talked about, you've already mentioned schooling. Schools across Dutchess County, we are a few weeks into the new school year. How are they operating overall? What kind of combination of in-person learning do we have and hybrid learning and those who are just staying at home and are using a remote option? Well, I have, um, I have two grandchildren grandchildren in the local schools, so my, <laughs> they're my primary source of information. And it seems things are working very smoothly. The, the teachers are just doing a phenomenal job. Uh, it's it's obvious, it's clear that in-person learning is the best way to learn, and that the school systems and the teachers and the staff have embraced that uh, and have tried to include students as much as possible. I think, at least in the polling district, I think the uh, remote learning is is infrequent. Uh, it's there. I mean, obviously, if people need it or if a child is sick and they're they're stuck at home, they they have that opportunity. But the school is doing everything they can. I'm not as familiar with the schools in Beacon uh, and East Fishville, but from what I what I read, uh, uh, they seem to be doing the same thing. And I you know, mm -hmm. commend them for. Now we see athletically, it seems like everybody athletically across the county and across Section 9, they seem to want to have a season as normal, as best as possible. And yet we still see some pauses like the Poughkeepsie football team. Right. How prevalent 
is the mindset around the county of that we just have to proceed with our lives as if, I don't want to say as if nothing happened, but try to make it as normal as possible since the last two years have been anything but. I, well, I think it's clear that, you know, we're all going to live our lives differently because we've, we've learned how to deal with uh, viruses. And, uh, you know, one of the um, good results of this is that, you know, there was a very low flu incidence in the last year because people were masked up. You know, and it's, it's you, the, the way you protect yourself from the flu, which is a virus, is exactly the same way you protect yourself from COVID. You, uh, you, you try not to breathe, other, you know, air that other people have breathed out by using a mask or distancing. Wash your hands a lot and uh, use, uh, you know, sanitizers. And, uh, you know, as a consequence, people are not getting common colds and the flu. So it's a, it's a, it's a serious learning exercise and uh, so it's changed it but I to go back to the sports um, two, two things that have been brought to my attention um, and this, this is anecdotal I don't have any statistics on it but I know that uh, a couple of my grandkids games have been canceled because they can't they don't have enough drivers and uh, our local Hannaford supermarket has some pretty bare shelves and the staff there tells us that it's because the company can't find the drivers. So there's a national shortage of drivers and that's, it's affecting our lives locally. And mm-hmm. you know, I hope that uh, people will look to that as a, as a, as a well-paying job and, and people will get back behind the wheel. And, and, and that is the Hannaford on 22 in polling. As soon as you get that, out of polling, North Patterson, out of Patterson, right? Before that's you correct. get polling high school. Yeah. Yeah. By that's correct. Well, and that is a major problem across the country, the lack yeah. of truckers. And you go into a Starbucks and things that you would normally expect there, like a big, tall, venti cup. Sorry, we don't have them for like a week right. now because we can't get anything delivered here. And this is something that has become obviously an appendage of the pandemic. That's something right. we have to deal with, among other things, on a day-to-day basis in life. As we move along towards the end of the year, we have the county budget for 2022. That's a hot topic, a hot issue, a hot mic issue right now. <laughs> 2022, is the budget kind of getting back to normal, knowing that 2021 certain things had to be done to adjust? It is. Um, and I have to give uh, you know, tremendous credit to Marcus Molinaro, our county executive, and uh, our uh, finance staff. Uh, they, they, kept the, they kept the county running. Uh, there were not any, no, I'm not aware of any serious diminishing of services. Uh, um, people picked up the, the shovel and did what they had to do to get the job done. They did have, uh, they had a, uh, a voluntary retirement that, that reduced the, the, uh, the county payroll quite a bit. But on the other side, the uh, sales tax revenue has been very good. Uh, Primarily because people are buying online, uh, even when they're not getting out to the brick and mortar stores, uh, they're buying online. And I certainly encourage everybody to get out and shop locally if they can, because uh, they, these people that, that uh, run these small businesses have had a really tough go, and uh, they they could use the support because they are really the backbone of 
Do we push enough that shopping online like, say, people like you do? Overall, do we push that enough? My impression is that we don't, and people are just getting back to going to the big box stores, whereas the guy up the block whose prices, yeah, maybe he charges a buck or two more, but he kind of has to because he can't compete with big box stores. And this could be your friend, your neighbor, if you would like to see him or her or they, them, stay in business. Well, why not stop in and show your support? Absolutely. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a great champion of the local stores. And <laughs> quite frankly, you know, there's a local hardware, two local hardware stores on my way to Home Depot. So if I have to get something. I always make a point of stopping at the local stores first. If they have it, I'll buy it there. I don't even look at the price. And, you know, then if I fail in both stores, then I'll go to Home Depot. But you know, I try to try to keep the local dollars local. These people pay taxes. They support the Little League. They you can go to them with a raffle ticket and, uh, you know, they'll help you out. Uh, they're just, just a wonderful support for the entire community. Mm-hmm. Mention the names of those two stores. Well, we have uh, um, the uh, Wingdale Hardware Store and we have HD Page. They're not exactly, it's Home Depot in each direction. So I can stop at one or the other, but I try to stop at both. Mm-hmm. But HD Page and Wingdale Hardware. You are and you work with public safety around the county and on the committee also too. A variety of issues there. Are we ready, storm preparedness for the next big storm when that happens? We uh, the last time Ida um, Pauling suffered some um, damage to one to a private road. And one, two, and then two damages, damaged areas to town roads. And um, the the private, the the county came out with FEMA. I met with them and the town supervisor. And FEMA is finding ways to help the, um, the people on the private road. There is a way that they can get federal money for that repair. They're going to help the town with the one, well, actually the both damages. But what I'm getting at is that the third damage was to a little dirt road in Pauling that goes up behind the nature reserve. And it probably five cars a day drive on that road. And the field estimate of the damages is $1.5 million to restore that road. I mean, $1.5 million is like five years of the town road budget. So the federal government is going to help. But my, my point there is that you never really know what a storm is going to bring. Uh, storm, you know, a storm can do a little bit of damage all over the county or a whole lot of damage in one spot. And my experience, you now I, I was town highway superintendent and I was town supervisor. So I I've worked with the county for close to 40 years, and I have always found their response to be remarkable. I mean, they they will do whatever is in their power to help uh, the towns and villages, in addition to taking care of their own roads, because they have, they have their own problems. So the answer to your question is yes. I think we're as prepared as we possibly can be. Um, the Emergency Response Center is our communication hub, and uh, it's uh, expertly manned. 
if you've ever listened to the dispatchers, they, uh, they're, they're superb. I don't know how they keep all the truck numbers and cars and locations in, in straight, but they do. And uh, uh, it, it takes over a year to train them. I think we have to realize, too, you pointed out about a small street in Pauling that maybe five people access on a regular basis. Yet for those five people, that's their Taconic Parkway. That's their New York State personally. And you would not be one of those five who would be inconvenienced by your road being blocked in. For example, like you go up Wagner Road, you're going to Pauling High School, for example. That's a small strip of road. But if you live along that strip there, you can't have that blocked in because you really can't get out. Yeah. Uh, The the lucky part about this little dirt road is it does go into Wingdale. It's into the town of Dover. So you can can get in, but you have to drive about five miles to 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 get get out, right? As far as they say, you can get in, you can never get out. It may not be worth it to try to get out, right? Uh Uh-huh. Also on Um, the committee that you serve on, the Public Safety Committee, EMS is always a big topic, a big issue. EMS preparedness around the county right now, knowing what EMS and police departments locally and fire departments and all kinds of public safety workers have had to deal with over the last couple of years now. It's, it's been difficult, but they've risen to the challenge. Um, I'm a 50-year member of the Pauling Fire Department, so I've been, and I still stay active down there. So I stay in touch with uh, the fire, fire chiefs and uh, the EMS personnel. Um, it was quite a scramble when, when COVID first hit, trying to get the PPE, uh, personal protective equipment. Um, but the county came through and provided masks and Eventually, supply lines opened up, but the departments have been very, very careful in their responses. They have developed COVID-specific responses to scenes. They don't all stay together. You know, in the old days, everybody run into the scene, but now they are dispersed and they have a protocol for doing that and uh, it's monitored so that people the firemen and the victims are, there's a limited exposure. Um, and, you know, the EMS people are just, I mean, they, you know, I, I can't praise them enough. I mean, they're, they're just assuming that every call they get is COVID call. They just have to, because first of all, you don't know if somebody has COVID. A lot of the calls do come from people that are, are infected. And then there's some people that just won't admit it, you know, that they haven't been vaccinated. So EMS has got a really tough job. Um, On the police side, um, after the uh, march in Pleasant Valley, there was a lot of talk about defunding the police and um, changing the way we police and um, what they call reimagining policing. Reimagining, yeah. And I, you know, I've always, I've always felt that um, the Dutchess County uh, Sheriff's Office has been extremely uh, interested in staying uh, as highly trained as possible. And they were already in the process of uh, uh, doing a comprehensive upgrading of their training. And part of that training is uh, crisis intervention. 
and uh, the you know the model now is to, to they haven't done it yet, but they soon will be looking at partnering with the behavioral health personnel. The, the behavioral health has a crisis intervention team, and if they if they pair with the sheriff's office and they're able to uh, arrive at a scene with all the tools to diffuse the scene understanding of, of the issues of people that are going through psychosis or alcohol withdrawal or drug addiction or you know whatever whatever it is um, they if they can if they can calm the scene and, and get the person in the car the county now has a stabilization center which is a, a state-of-the-art facility that as a matter of fact uh, counties throughout the state are coming to look at it with an eye at uh, doing something similar to that, but the, the police can now take a person who's in distress and take them to the stabilization center over in Poughkeepsie. Uh, previously, the only choices they had were jail, where there are no services, or to the hospital, to the ER, where they weren't, the hospitals weren't really prepared to handle people in, in a, an agitated state. And the hospitals no longer have psych beds like they used to. I mean, every hospital used to have you know, six or seven beds just for, for these type of people. So now they can go to the stabilization center. The stabilization center is manned 24-7 uh, with counselors. Uh, there are uh, beds there. They, can, uh, uh, they have the ability to connect with doctors to prescribe um, uh, appropriate uh, drugs or medicines or treatments. Uh, and they, they have a connection with the Mid-Hudson Hospital, so that if they do have to hospitalize the person, they can do that. But what it does is the person comes out, he doesn't have, he doesn't have uh, a, a jail uh, sentence on his record. So, How serious is the opioid crisis right now in the county? It's, it's, a, it's a tragedy. I mean, it's, uh, I, I saw in the news the last couple of days that um, they're importing counterfeit um, hydrocodone and oxycodone that has fentanyl in it. And, you know, fentanyl, and, and apparently the one I read, the fentanyl is um, of, a, of a high enough dose that you can kill you with, with one pill, which you might take illegally but innocently thinking it's oxycodone. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of hundred, I don't have the number in front of me, but uh, a significant number of, of deaths from drug overdoses in, in Dutchess County every year, and and then subsequent hospitalizations um, and police, you know, and also you can end up with a record too. So you know, it's a, it's a pretty serious thing. The I monitor as a fireman, I monitor the radio frequencies, and not all the time, but I and it comes up on my phone. That's the way they. Do that now. Fire service, everybody's phone gets the uh, call, and the number of responses for possible overdoses is you know, scary. I will say that the uh, uh, behavioral and community health department of the county is doing Narcan training. Narcan is a is a drug which can be administered to bring somebody out of a drug coma, 
and they're doing that for all the police agencies, fire departments, and anybody else. That, that is the situation them. getting worse, or are we seeing improvement? Or is it a wash right now? It's, I think it's a wash. I looked I look yesterday at the statistics, and the last four or five years, it's been it's been pretty level. But you know, it's still you know, one is too many. It's just, and it's it's usually some. A lot of them are young people. Uh, you know, the beginning of their adult lives. It's a, it's a tragedy. COVID vaccines. That issue is part of public safety, obviously, and we see. Mm-hmm. The- issue in New York City where if you teach in a school as of a few days from now, you won't be able to if you don't have at least one vaccine. If you're a healthcare or a hospital worker, you might already be losing your job. Do you think we need or do you think there will be countywide COVID mandates of the same level as in New York City, or will this continue to be a choice locally? Well, I'm not going to equivocate. I, I think that everybody should be vaccinated. If I, if I could sit down for 20 minutes with people and, and just show them some of the history, you know, it might change their mind. But they say that lecturing to these people, the people that are not vaccinated, doesn't work. You just have to, they have to come to the understanding on their own. But right, I've done the lecturing and it doesn't seem to get anywhere. It doesn't. It doesn't work. And uh, uh, but I, I, I think, and I, and I look back at history. You look back at all of the things that. Were terrible plagues, cholera, diphtheria, yellow fever, uh, uh, polio. All of these things were solved by uh, complete compliance by the population. And where there wasn't compliance, the government stepped in. And, you know, cholera was spread by bad water. And finally, the municipalities came in and they, they put in water mains, but they they told people, you, you better run a pipe to your house. And people didn't like it one bit, but, you know, they, they had to do it, and they did. And that pretty much killed that disease, which you know, was killing hundreds of thousands of people. So, mm-hmm. You also work on the County Environmental Committee on the County yeah. Board, Ed Hauser, representing the 23rd District of Pauling. Also, yeah. Beekman and East Fishkill across the southern portion of Dutchess County here on Dutchess Talk Radio. Ed Hauser, open space for decades has been an issue locally, no doubt about that. Open space preservation, preserving farmland locally. We understand that development happens and has happened across the last 40 years and more Mm -hmm. in the Hudson Valley. I began my career in Orange County in 1979, and I know what the county looked like back then. I know what Dutchess looked like back then. Orange, Rockland, Putnam, et cetera. I see the differences more than 40 years later today, and yet we see open spaces are preserved. Northern Westchester as well, too. Why is this such a key issue as opposed to somebody who comes along to me and says, John, change with the times. We have to build a condo here. And we realize maybe we don't have to because we may not have adequate drinking water, for example, if we do. Well put. The, um, you know, the the earth is a, a finite size, there's only so much land area, and of that, a very, very small percentage is good land. Uh, it's very difficult to live in the Sahara and the Death Valley and the Arctic and the Antarctic. And so we have to be very careful about how we treat the land that we can actually use that actually supports human life. And water is a key a key example. And it's, it, 
doesn't take much to ruin a, uh, a water supply. Uh, the water, we're lucky in Harlem Valley, there's actually a river that flows under, under the valley in, in a bed of gravel and um, you can put a well in the, in the, you know, the village has put some wells in and gotten 600 gallons a minute, you know, because the, the amount of water is so great. But if, if somebody upstream starts dumping uh, hazardous waste or chemicals or, you know, and, and anything that would be detrimental to, to uh, drinking water, then that water supply is ruined and it's really, really hard to bring it back. So uh, I, I just can't, I, I, my first involvement with the county government uh, was, I was put on the Dutch County Planning Board, which I served on for eight years. And uh, uh, Dutch County Planning Board um, administers a program for manageable growth. And it's a program where the county partners with New York State Department of Agriculture and the uh, Dutchess Land Conservancy and other local groups, sometimes municipalities, towns, and uh, identifies and then purchases the development rights for farms that meet certain criteria. And I had the, the great pleasure over the years of being able to go out and visit these farms and see, you know, not only the beauty of them, but also the value of them, the quality of the soil, uh, their part in the watersheds and the aquifer. And, uh, um, and so what the process is that the Dutchess Land Conservancy actually solicits uh, uh, applications from farmers. And then uh, it, they, they analyze the farm for it's uh, the quality of soils, the relationship to other farms, uh, uh, the quality of the water, and the viability of the, of the operation itself. You know, can it continue to be a farm? Presents that to the county and to the state of New York. And so far in Dutchess County, we have uh, bought the development rights on farms and some strictly open space of 6,335 acres. Uh, which can never be developed. And, you know, we're not saying we don't want development, but we are saying that you need to leave these plots of land that are as, as close to natural as can be. And, the, you know, the, you can either let it go wild or it can be a farm. Those are the, you know, the two ways that you really create a natural environment. So uh, the, the county uh, legislature puts uh, at least a million dollars a year in the budget for this program, and uh, uh, it's, it, I think it's been it's been very successful. And how does it help we continue to preserve our quality here in Dutchess County the way we have for decades and hopefully for years and decades to come? Again, yeah. knowing that sometimes development does and has to happen and does happen, yet we can still preserve what we have and not really make it look like there was much else going on, even though we might have a 26 story skyscraper filled with condos built in downtown Poughkeepsie. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is smart development. Too. I mean, there are ways of developing so that the, the land is, uh, is, is not affected as much as, as, you know, the traditional way of putting all the plots side by side and, you know, lots of roads and all that kind of stuff. You can, you can spread it out and, I think a lot of a lot of the planning boards throughout the county are uh, very receptive to that when the owners come in and 
you know, have a, a clear understanding of the environment is, is critical. Ed Hauser, County Board, District 23 here in Dutchess, representing Pauling, Beekman, and East Fishkill. We thank you for joining us on Dutchess Talk Radio. We thank you for your insight and your service for all these years. And I know many more good things are to come as we continue to work out of COVID into 2022. Thank you again, Ed Hauser. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you for your patience through everything here today, too. No question and doubt about that. Ed Hauser, we thank you. Here on Dutchess Talk Radio, I'm John Marino. This is the Cup of Joe political show. We are produced by Shark Creative, made possible by Robeson Oil, the house that service built. Also by Tompkins Mayapack. Bank by Lipolis Electric. Don't be left in the dark. Get Lipolis. Also by... White Plains Hospital and Hightower Westchester managing your wealth through a fiduciary standard up and down the Hudson Valley and Michael Labriola, landscape design and construction of our monk in Westchester working with you throughout the Hudson Valley too. Catch all of our Duchess Orange, Rockland, Putnam, Westchester and Fairfield County talk radio programming on our YouTube channel, a Shark Creative YouTube. You're listening to Westchester Talk Radio. Powered by Shark Media, a division of Shark Creative. And made possible by Entergy Indian Point Energy Center. Visit safesecurevinyl.com.